Hello and welcome to Trees Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've seen Dumbo. <laughs> yes, we have. Mm, <laughs> the new Dumbo. Um, I haven't seen the old one from 1941 in 20 years or more. Yes. But it is great and I remember it reasonably well. Mm. Um, I mean, I watched it a lot when I was a kid. I can imagine. Um, you you familiar with it? I, I've seen it maybe twice. Right. It's not something I watched as a kid. Yeah, I don't sure. think it was in release at that time. I think Disney used to have a different pattern of releases, which is that, you know, every five or six years, you know, they'd re-release one of their oldies, right? And I suppose Dumbo just didn't happen in the period that I was growing up and I never got to see it. Oh, it was in cinema re-releases? Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, it, it, uh, they would do, you know, I remember The Lady and the Tramp coming out and, you know, they were big hits yeah. on re-release, right? It was like a whole generation of people hadn't seen them. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, uh, and then in, in recent years, they've been doing the Disney Vault where they, they release their films on DVD, but it's, like it's one at a time, and it's right. like for like six months you get to buy this, and then it's gone. For, right. I think that, I, well, I'm not, I'm not that familiar with that, but I think that's the way that they kind of, you know, basically make them scarce and, yeah. and draw it draw a kind of um, uh, audience and, and, and market for them. Yes. Um, and, and then, uh, well, we talked uh, at the beginning of the film about the lack of imagination in Disney, because this is about the fourth or fifth film that we've seen that is a live action remake of a cartoon well film, they yes. an animated film so they i think it's the third one that they've done they did the jungle book in a, in a big cgi production directed by john favreau they did beauty and the beast with emma watson that's what, i haven't seen that one i love that yes uh, they've done this and they are doing aladdin they're doing lion king okay so um it's bizarre beauty to me the people... beast was was lovely it was a, and it was a big hit yeah um but it's bizarre to me that people are ahead of time calling the new Lion King the live-action version because, from what I can tell, there's not going to be any live-action in it. It's CGI. Right. But they're going for this this really very realistic CGI aesthetic, right. which they which they did in the Jungle Book and they've done here. Um, so I mean, it's kind of bizarre to me that people are, call, are calling that live-action when it's it's not. It's w- weird sort of lack of distinction people are yes. making. Um, um. And. Uh, they look very. I really like the new Jungle Book. I must say, and in some ways, I think it's far superior to the original, which I went back and revisited and thought there's really no. Some of it is unwatchable. Well, there's no story here. Like it, it is. It is a collection of bits and pieces, yes. which are pleasant. But yes. there's actually a story in the new one which I liked. Yes, though you know, I just love the song so much in the original. Of course, yeah. And those particular recordings, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this, I think, is far inferior to the original. It is. And I don't think you have to remember the original all that well to get the sense of that, because even on, even just taking on its own terms, this is not a very good movie. I feel it's like such a missed opportunity. Actually, I didn't know that it was directed by Tim Burton. Um, so let's make that clear. And whilst I was watching it, I was thinking, my God, this is like visually quite dazzling. Like, you know, it's it's kind of, the images are beautiful and, and striking and expressive. And yet the film is dead, right? And, you know, that combination of having like these great images... And that great cast, and it all feeling so dull. <laughs> I agree, it was dull, but I didn't feel it was it was visually anything spectacular. Oh, I did notice that. I did. Yeah, the, you know the way that it begins. It begins with um, Colin Farrell coming back from World War One, and he's got an arm missing, and so on. And you know the family's pictured, uh, you know, against the backdrop of these posters of the era, mm-hmm. and it just feels very striking and evocative, and you know. Yeah. Like, there's certainly uh, a lot of thought that's gone into the kind of production design, I, but I did feel it was 
the office of the Michael Keaton character, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just pure Tim Burton. Like, the yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought all of that yeah. was pretty dazzling uh, um, to me. Yeah, sure, I, I can get some sense of what you're talking about. Um, I think it's, I think it's underlit though, for a lot, for a lot of it. I feel it, like it doesn't take advantage of 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 the production sort of design. Yeah, I mean, I especially, and I think that these films for kids or whatever, you want them to be bright, and actually, this isn't. I mean, I think it's just a question of luminosity. Even if it's dark, you want just want it to be brighter, right? Yeah. Uh, and actually, this one isn't particularly dark uh, in the sense that, well, actually, that's not true. A lot of scenes are set at night, but a lot of them aren't, and it's the circus, and you expect it to be bright and colorful and so on, right? Uh, and even to darkness. I, uh, so I do think there's a thing about the luminosity of the film, that you just want it to be brighter even when dark. Yeah, I agree. Know. And I think that's that kind of speaks to... This this very general, quote unquote, realistic um, aesthetic that they're trying to head at with these new CGI mm-hmm. re readaptations, remakes, and so on. Um, so let's talk about what, just the differences in the story between this and the original Dumbo, because there are some. So the story is still about um, uh, this uh, mother elephant who gives birth to baby Dumbo, who's got giant ears and he's mm. a freak, and everyone laughs at him um, it, in a circus. The mother is taken away because she's trying to protect him and she injures someone. And Dumbo has friends. So in the original, his friend was a little mouse. Mm. And in this, his friends are humans, particularly these two kids of Colin Farrell. Yes. Um, and they kind of give him some confidence and they, and they figure out that with feathers he can fly. Weird, the weird thing going on with the feathers in this, because it's the same, same idea. Mm. But in the, in the first film, he held the feathers mm. with his trunk. And in this one, he inhales them. And it kind of freaked me out. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought it was a bit weird. But they've got the same thing going on. And and basically, he, he becomes kind of a, a star. And then the film really starts to diverge from what the original was doing. Because I think by the end of the original, he basically... Um, I think he ends up a star in the end. Like That's the kind of that's the, the kind of success of the resolution. And I think he gets his mother back. Whereas in this, it's about being sold to a kind of big corporate circus. And the family's all there to help him fight. And blah, blah, blah. it becomes a big... Hollywood. I think it gets really diffused. Um, the themes get really diffused. I think the kids are horrible. Yes. And smirky and, um, you know, just not very appealing child actors. Uh, and so that's a big minus in the film. Uh, because in a way, the other thread of the film, which I think, you know, tries to be very progressive because it focuses on the young girl... And it's about her wish to be a scientist and not be on display as a circus performer, which is, you know, a feminist element in the film, which is to be welcome, you know. But it kind of, I mean, the, <laughs> the child actress is just so terrible. And then also, I think narratively, it unfocuses the film. It becomes about something, becomes about something and about something else. There are lots of strands. Yeah. So there's a kind of there's a there's the parenting and the and the father children relationship strand, strand. Right. and they've lost their mother he's come back from war without an arm and, and they get another mother at the end yes they kind of get another mother yeah and obviously you've that there's a kind of parallel with dumbo having lost his mother and trying to get her back um you've got this thing about, lots of things are very very underdeveloped you've got this thing about the um the circus uh ringleader um a circus owner who's played by danny devito who um at the end of the film 
he he ends up doing this kind of it's like it's filmed like a sort of modern TV advert promo, although obviously it's set in like the mid twenties. It's kind mm. of fun. Um, where he's saying, welcome to the new Max, whatever my name is, Max Medici, Medici Circus, where we don't believe that any animal should be caged, and you see them letting all the animals that they previously had let them go. But you go like, okay, so that's kind of like he's learned a lesson, but there was no lesson, but where did he along the way learn this? It's yeah. like, it wasn't set up that he needed to learn such a lesson. No. Well, it, there's, there's a thing about the... the, um, the the mermaid and the merman, and apparently they had an ongoing thing, which I didn't see that. <laughs> no. I mean, there's so many things like that. I mean, well, first of all, just before I forget, the first time you see Danny DeVito, I just felt joy. He was kind of dancing towards the camera out of focus, and then he comes into focus, and you just think, oh, how wonderful Danny DeVito is, and you know, how wonderful this is going to be. And then, thud, he's given nothing to mm. work with, really, you know. Um, I thought the same with Michael Keaton. You know, when yeah. I saw him, I thought, my God, what a marvelous look. And actually, he yeah. gives a great performance. He plays the evil corporate yeah. circus owner. But he's not done any favors by the film. I mean, you know, the, the cutting of the film. You, so there are these scenes where, it's, you know, it's obviously meant to be cut five seconds later or, you know, five seconds earlier. So you have him be, you know, like almost pause to give his performance. And then you see the five seconds and then he gives it, mm. right? Which actually, I think, robs his performance of, you know, uh, quite a lot of its flair. Um, There's something very erratic about the editing. There are, com- there are conversations that I have between, between him, b- between Michael Keaton and Danny Zavito and Alan Arkin, who's this uh, evil financier. And, and they're kind of all over the place. Like, you wonder what the original script looked like because yeah. they seem to have been cut up I, very hard I, actually, to Actually, I, I didn't think Alan Arkin was an evil financier. And I think... Okay, you know, not evil, but... Uh, because, you know, he chooses Danny DeVito at the end over Michael Keaton and so on. So, you know, he, he's someone who wants something inventive to make a buck. Uh, um, so the evil person is the Michael Keaton character. But, uh, but, but you're right. It's kind of... It's just... It's just not worked through enough, really. It's kind of... Uh, it feels scattered, as if there are huge chunks missing somewhere, mm. you know, that have been cut, basically. That's, you know, and that might be because, I mean, the film just feels dull. It feels very dead, as you say, and one of the reasons for that is it it, it fails to build um, kind of real drama. Out of, I like, I, like it, in the scenes that it is, it's doing this thing which these new Disney re-adaptations are doing, or, or remakes are doing, where... Um, they have a kind of relationship with the original film, as opposed to being kind of remakes. They're sort of reimaginings or whatever, mm. you know. And they and they try as it's whatever kind of fucking bullshit sort of mm. terminology they're trying to use to make it look like they're not just just churning out money. Yeah. Um, and so this has you know a stork land on uh, land on the, the the train carriage that the mother is in right at the start. But it's like it's not the same as in the original film where there was a whole thing about the stork. It's just there's a stork there and it flies off and it's just a reference. Yeah. There's the thing there's there's a few shots that are recreated. The mother um uh, embracing Dumbo who's outside when she's been locked away through the mm. train uh, you know bars in the train window. That sort of thing. Which they're just they're just reminiscences of the original and, yeah. and they 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 make sense in context here. There's a story being told but you, you, you kind of go, am I, am I appreciating this for what it is? I'm appreciating it because it reminds me of the, the whole film. It's kind of a weird place to be. And then you have the circus stuff with the, 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 the building that's on fire and Dumbo's supposed to put it out. And then that's where Dumbo first flies in the circus. And it's yes. kind of a great triumphant thing. Um, but as he, as he falls off and he's 
plummeting towards the ground. It should be so dramatic. And in the original film, it was incredibly heightened and, and scary. I remember it being incredibly scary. Yeah. And in this, what it's happens... <laughs> in this, you, the girl says, Fly, Dumbo. Yes. I mean, like, there's nothing... Like, she delivers the line worse than I just did. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. And it happens again later on with the, 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 the Indian snake charm no, guy who no... goes, you know, oh, go on, Dumbo, fly when he's falling again. What? It's very repetitive, too. Yes. <sighs> but it's not... Yeah, I was going to say it's not it's not the actor's fault. There's a lot of things missing there. Um, the film is not exciting. Very almost none of the action scenes fill you with either fear for what's about to happen or wonder as to what eventually does happen. Yeah. Right. Um, so, kind of, I think the film the film fails on all of that really. And there are some things that I just think are kind of really unexplainable. So, you know, Colin Farrell is so good, but he's given almost nothing to do. You know, like, there's no development there. Eva Green, why the fuck does she have a French accent? You know, they couldn't... I mean... Well, I, well, so I think, why does Colin Farrell have an American accent? I know they're trying to make him into this uh, horse-riding guy, and his thing is, I, you know, I've lost an arm, can I still perform in the circus sort of thing? But he, it's a, just a very bad accent. And I wonder, why can't he just keep him as an Irish guy and that just let it away? That didn't bother me at all. Oh, I didn't um, like him. But you're so, right about Eva Green as well. Um, yeah. But Eva Green's accent, it, it just feels so false and phony and put on, you know. Um, and I think, you know, isn't being English exotic enough in the American fucking Midwest? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I, you know, or do they not think that Englishness can be sexy? Like... You know what is going on there? Why? Why the need to make her French? Well, they definitely don't think that Englishness can be sexy. I mean, there, there is there is one English character in this who's the um, who's the, the the sort of right hand man of Michael Keaton. He's the one who comes in and goes, "I've come here to clear my conscience. They're going to kill the mother." And he's like, oh, oh please! Gen- yeah. Like genuinely, that line of dialogue. There's there are other lines of dialogue. In fact, what you're saying about the girl, yeah. uh, the scientist thing, I remember it made me think of um, Shazam because you said about Shazam, like the family is kind of it's so. Um, carefully multiracial that mm. family and I didn't have a, a, that I didn't really have any problem with that but you picked up on it as, as something you felt was quite kind of forced forced yeah. right well I think if you think that about that then this is that but ratcheted up ten times because every line of dialogue she has in the first half of the film is about it contains the word science or experiment I'm going to be a scientist I want to do science let's do an experiment and like she might as well just be like the adverts of going. I'm going into a STEM subject. Yeah, you know. It's. I mean, all of that was just like ridiculous. And and actually, I think the whole. I mean, you know, you expect you expect Disney to be about family and so on, but this is just like so forced and by the numbers, and you can see it coming from a mile away, and it feels like so unnatural. Like you know, as soon as Evergreen appears. You know, you know she's going to be the replacement mom, right? Like, mm. and yet, you know, you want to see some desire build up between, you know, Colin Farrell and her, or something—a joke, an affinity, right? Yeah, like, exactly. not just, you know, you're you're, you're structurally the- here to replace the mom, right? <laughs> yeah, you're there, so you'll do. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so um, I agree. One thing that I would say in the film's favour, although this again, I, I is tempered for me. Dumbo's quite cute. You know, more than I was expecting. You know, I also had a problem with Dumbo because, you know, like, maybe I'm being overly sensitive now, but, you know, in a film that's CGI, out of all the colours, yeah, that you could have made 
the eyes of of Dumbo, mm. why did it have to be blue? Why is there that underlying Walt Disney Aryan shit going? On, <laughs> you know. Well, I suppose. Yeah. Well, they did. They, they did at least do the um, do the, the decent thing of taking away those racist crow characters from the first one. <laughs> and with just one all-purpose black guy here. <laughs> No, I kind of agree, but but I do think Dumbo is quite cute, you know, and and like I say, I was kind of because I, I I didn't watch the entire first film again, but I went back and looked at clips here and there, and there's such expressiveness to the animation, animation and design in that in that first film. I kind of thought, actually, is it going to feel the same here? Like, or how is it going to feel? Because part of it is that it is so unreal, and that these these characters are pure, beautiful two D, hand drawn animated things that you kind of you're in this. You're, it just takes you into this kind of fantasy world, and the idea of trying to make it realistic looking, how is that going to add up with the 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 unrealistic things that the, the characters are expected to do? And actually, I think the film um, does a lot of it very well. I think you know you, you, you there's there's character and kind of feeling in Dumbo's eyes and things like that, and his movements. That I think I think works. What I would say against that is why is he on screen so little? I mean, well, that's what I'm here for. I mean, and actually, it, it, they cut away from him as much as they can. Yeah, probably it was very expensive. But, but uh, it, it's, it's, the, it's a huge tentpole Disney thing. That's why I'm here. Yeah. I don't want to see shots of the audience watching okay. him. Well, first of all, as to the cuteness thing, I, I agree, right? Like, he is very cute. And maybe connecting to the other thing that you said about him not being on screen enough, I also thought that he was cute but he wasn't quite a character. You know, you, I actually didn't know what he was thinking. Yes. You know, or when he was fearful, or his longing for his mom. All of the things that you actually saw very clearly in the original. Yeah. You know, the things that you're told here, other characters tell you yeah. he wants his mum, yeah. basically. But you don't see it. Exactly, yeah. You know. So, so I think that was, to me, that was a problem. Like, you don't feel enough for Dumbo, yeah. you know, and kind of... And when, when he has triumphs and, and when he feels lost and all that kind of thing, you're absolutely right. You don't feel for him. You see it happen, but you don't feel... You don't... You, don't, you're, you know, when, when he has these triumphs of learning to fly, of, of escaping and finding his mum, all that sort of stuff, you don't feel it along with him. I don't yes. think it's emotionally affecting. I don't. It isn't. And I think that's the reason why. Because, you know, you should be identifying with Dumbo and understanding his emotions and sharing them. You know, not just being told what he's feeling. You know, so so it's it's a it's a problem and it's a mess of a film, really. Um, um, there's there's there were one or two kind of funny coincidences that I picked up on at the start related to things that we've been talking about recently. Um, that that initially kind of set my mind spinning, thinking, oh, what might be going on here? This is kind of interesting. So um, very recently, uh, just the other day, I told you about this film from the 1920s. In fact, let me um, look up when it was. This Lon Chaney film called The Unknown, um, 1927. This 1927 film called The Unknown, which it stars Lon Chaney, and it's directed by Todd Browning. And it's this film about this circus performer called Alonzo the Armus, who Lon Chaney plays. And he's got no arms, and then it turns out actually he does have arms, and mm. he's hiding in the circus because if he pretends he's got no arms, he can't have committed this murder. Mm. So and it's kind of and and the the um, the the parallels aren't that strong but obviously uh, the dad character here played by Colin Farrell is missing an arm from the war and there's this whole thing going on in, in The Unknown about how men who had come back from fighting in World War One who would have suffered um, injuries and uh, loss of limbs and that sort of thing would have felt this 
the, the, the kind of losses that they felt would have been reflected in this film. And I, and I, and I, but that kind of occurred to me. I thought, what might go on here? The other thing that occurred to me was just before the film started today, we were talking about Game of Thrones. We were talking in particular about the characters of uh, Tyrion Lannister, who's the imp, played by Peter Dinklage. He's a dwarf. And um, the uh, eunuch, eunuch character, yeah. Varys, I think his name is. right. And there's this thing in, in Game of Thrones about how it's a, it's a, it's a society it depicts that privileges um, physical perfection, um, and these two are disfigured in one way or another. You know, mm. A bit unfair to call being a dwarf a disfigurement, but it's it's a mm. kind of physical imperfection, right? Mm. And um, and it's something that, that that Tyrion is very aware of, and he he privileges knowledge above all things, and he reads and stuff, which is very unusual because he he says like this is the way that I can I can. This is the way that I can fight and make myself useful and all this sort of mm. stuff and compete in this world. And um, Varys does very much the same sort of thing. And he's this uh, kind of evil spying character who um, is, again, kind of on top of things all the time. And there's another element of their um, physical differences from everyone else, giving them a, a way that they can hide. Other people don't expect much of them. And so I wondered whether, you know, immediately I start with this because it made me realise, well, that's... That's that's going on in Dumbo, right? Dumbo's big ears. Yes. This kind of difference about him. Once the dad character came in and he's lost an arm, I thought there's going to be some, you know, what can they build out of out of this this connection? Then I thought there might be something with the with the um, ringleader character. Obviously, Danny DeVito is a really short guy, mm. and and. I was immediately so disappointed that they didn't even seem to notice that they had these things going on. That there would be something kind of like these, um, like a connection they could build mm. out of out of these kind of yes. unfortunate. And it's weird because the the circus has always been a refuge for oddballs or for people on the lamb. Like you know, in the greatest show on earth, which is the the you know the big hit about the circus. You know, the central clown is actually somebody who's been falsely accused of murder and is hiding out in the circus. Yeah. You know, so so there should be something more about... And actually, in The Greatest Showman, right? Yes. You know... It's, it's uh, about a gang of yeah, different uh, people. Yes, of misfits who find a home in a different kind of family. Yeah. Whereas, actually, this is very conservative. The family they find is they just... Like you know, parachute in evergreen to replace the mother. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and actually, another Todd Browning film, film Freaks yes. from was it nineteen thirty two or so, yeah, which is about like a, a, a freak show and stuff. And and the idea in that is kind of actually the 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 weird people or the 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 bad people, the ones you should be scared of, are the ones in charge of the whole thing. Yes. And actually, the the, the freaks mm. are their own kind of misfit family, as you say. Yes. Like like the elements all seem to be here, but they're not. And, and they just go. And the truth is, you don't care about any of them. And some of the ideological stuff, like, I mean, I was really squirming in my seat, really. You know, it's just like so by the numbers, you know, the whole thing about the family and, you know, um, and, and reuniting them and, you know, um, people finding their potential and all that crap American shit that you get all the time. I mean, it's just, you know, without any justification, it just... Every time the girl, uh, you know, threw a feather at the elephant and said, you can do it, you can do it if you really want, you don't need the feather, you, you know, yeah. you, I mean, oh, you just think, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's not, it's, not, it's not built out of anything, it's not, there's, there's no depth of feeling or significance, and as I said, it's so repetitive, they keep on doing it. Yes. And, um, so let's talk a little bit about um, Tim Burton's career, because... You know, he's somebody whom at one point I just, I truly loved, you know. Um, 
all his early hits. You know, I thought the Batman films were wonderful. Mm. Uh, Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands. I mean, even... Uh, what is it? Little Big Eyes or whatever it was called. His oh, most, Big Big Eyes. Big Eyes, the most recent one. I've not seen that. I found it, you know, I found it interesting and he's working within his quirks and and so on. It's not that recent, is it, Big Eyes? I thought it, it was. It must be 10, 15 years ago. No. Hold on, I will, I will... I think you're thinking of Go Fish or Big Fish or something like that. I think Little but, Big yeah, Eyes. Yeah, Big Fish was like 2004 or something. Yes. Big, Big Fish was 2003. Big Eyes was 2014. Okay, four years ago. But he did Miss Peregrine since then. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't like that. I didn't Actually, I, I haven't liked very much, really. I, I hated the... Um, I haven't seen his Alice in Wonderland, actually. But I I thought uh, the Johnny Depp, uh, Helena Bonham Carter musical... Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd, you know, left a lot to be desired. Um, I liked... What is it, what is it called? Little Big Guys. But actually, I, I also <laughs> thought... Just called Big Guys. Big Guys. <laughs> but... Um, but also, I think the film didn't quite work. Um, what else has he done? Um, he did... Uh, he stopped being funny. Well, he did Frank and Weenie. They, they, made, they did make a full thing of that, because that was his like, short from back in yeah. the day, I think. I well, never saw that. I never saw that. Um, he, did, uh. he did Corpse Bride, which I've not seen. Um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, I kind of... I, I would revisit it, because... I, cause, well, I mean... So he's done actually quite a I lot of musicals when one thinks about it. Mars really. Attacks was fantastic. Um, Mars Attack was great. Um, Sleepy Hollow, Planet of the Apes. I kind of like Sleepy Hollow. Planet of the Apes was like kind of dull, really. Mm. I mean, that, that did feel like corporate filmmaking. Edward. Uh, I, lo- I love Edward. I've not seen Edward. Um, uh, and obviously Beetlejuice way back in... I love Beetlejuice. And actually, I suppose this is the thing. Because he used to have like a, a kind of a quirky, cutting, dark sense of humor. Like, mm. you know, Edward Scissorhands is both moving and funny, right? I think the Batman films are funny, even yeah. though, you know, they're quite dark, right? So, this wasn't, this didn't have a single joke in it. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, no, no, not really. <laughs> not, no, uh, no, 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 none that landed. <laughs> but actually, I don't even think there was much of an attempt to inject humour into the whole thing. No, I agree. It tried to be sort of romantic and dusty and full of feeling, and felt at that too. Yes, but so that's what it was going for. More so he's gotten really sentimental in his old age. He's lost his edge. <laughs> mm. uh, and actually, I think not only has he lost his edge in this. But he also seems to have lost his signature because even though when I was saying that the film was visually, to me, kind of um, spectacular, really, like you could see the thought that had gone into it and the compositions were original, the images were interesting and everything. But they weren't wonky and odd. They didn't feel like his. No. You know? Um, so, so that's something. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's it's a tough one because um, you can feel obviously the kind of corporate control over these remakes that Disney sure. are doing, and you know, I feel like in a way, like John Favreau, who did um, the Jungle Book remake, is the perfect director for them because he doesn't have any style of his own. Yes. He just makes he just like here's two hours of film. There you go. Yes, you know what I mean. It kind of works. It kind, <laughs> it kind of works, and there you go. And and so when you get in a, a big name director who has this known sort of style and aesthetic like Tim Burton it's it's kind of a weird place to be um, because 
Because how much you... do they restrict what they do? Are they there so that they can put their signature on it? it you know. Yeah, it's kind of anyway. That's interesting because, in the sense that it was visually striking and memorable, and so on, you know, kind of that's one of the things you remember Tim Burton for. But actually, you know, the images weren't, you know, gothic, dark. Yeah, like part of them being striking was that they were offbeat and wonky, and you know, kind of they were more like German expressionist than I don't know, you know, kind of classic Hollywood or something. Mm. Um, so there's none of that here, you know. Yeah, and this and this is when I was thinking back to the original 1941 Dumbo, where you know, like I say, I remember that, and you know, I, I've got to be honest and say I never watched the whole thing through in a long time, but I've seen bits and pieces and I remember it reasonably well, and I remember it being very heightened and very scary. Yes. And for instance, the Pink Elephants on Parade thing, which they yes. redo here as a kind of bubble show, right? The whole thing about Pink Elephants on Parade in the first one was um, Dumbo got drunk. Yes. Because uh, some champagne wound up in the water that he didn't know, and so he drinks it and, and he gets drunk. He basically gets high and he's, yeah. and he's tripping and he sees these terrifying, scary elephants yeah. in the sky dancing around. Well, in this, it's redone as this, as as a circus show, and other people can see it because um, yeah. you know, uh, um, Danny DeVito makes mention of it, or, or, or Alan Arkin makes mention of it. You know, everyone's watching this thing, and these and these bubble giant bubble elephants start dancing around in space, and you go. Okay, so I, I don't mind that there's no context of being drunk built into it. Like, I, I'm not saying it should copy. What that was a it. lovely moment in the film that's lost. But but then in the original. But then you kind of you are questioning like, oh, so is there magic going on? How are they doing this? So yes. I don't get it. And there's and the effect is dampened and lost because you're questioning it. And and again, you're going. I remember this from the first film. Is that why they're doing it? Well, actually, there's more than that. So first of all. I mean, how are they doing it? Is not even my first question. <laughs> is why are they doing it? Why hasn't the viewer been told? You know, kind of it comes. You know, that's something that must have because they're in a hurry to get the act going, right? So kind of, and when the characters arrive in the scene and they start blowing those bubbles, it catches them off guard as well. They're not expecting that. Yeah. Right? You know, and so that's why uh, Dumbo scared. Right, but actually, you don't see anything through. Well, all you see is that he's scared. Well, Dumbo, no, right. Dumbo was into it. He was nodding along. He was. He, oh, I thought he was scared of it. No, he was totally into it. He was nodding along with the music. Again, the camera kind of keeps cutting back to him, and he's like, "Ooh, magic! I like this." You see the reflection in his eyes, and he's happy. No, well, I read that differently. I did see the reflection in his eyes and so on, but I thought he was scared. I know. I saw. I saw it as as like a wonder. Ah, oh, no, yeah. no. I saw it as as kind of, you know, scared. Um, and I think it jives in because they arrive at the place and it's much bigger and so on. Um, uh, but anyway, it kind of, my point is that, you know, the whole drunk scene, it's almost like you're seeing it from Dumbo's point of view. He's drunk and this is how he's seeing the world. Mm. Right. Um, so kind of, I mean, here it appears and then it has an effect on him. Again, I suppose part of the same pattern that we're talking about that really, you know, um, it's not a film about Dumbo. Dumbo's not the main character. You know, kind of... Dumbo is the 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 spark that makes everything else happen. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, you know, he's a, he's a central trope, but he's not a central character. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I, honestly, it just made me think I wish I was watching the original Dumbo. And, and I don't say that to say, like, oh, of course everything was better back then, because... Yeah, that's not the point. Like things, think you know, remakes can legitimately be better than originals. But I think it's an, but, but I just, I it made me feel 
a longing to see it because I remember that just being so bright and creative and, and heartfelt mm. and beautiful. Yes. And this was just lacking it, all of that. Yes. I mean, this is a film that lacks heart. It's true. I mean, and actually it's one of the kinds of films that I hate because it's almost like it's written in ways that nobody believes, neither the filmmakers, you know, nor the audience. Like, you know, you don't believe in those ideas. Nobody does. And actually, but, but we're all meant to, right? So it kind of is like this, this Baudrillardian idea of simulacrum, right? We recognize the form, we recognize its cultural value and so on, but they don't believe it and we don't believe it. Whereas actually with the original Dumbo, however much you might disagree with that worldview, the filmmakers believe it, really. And the audience, I think, you know, buys into it. Uh, whereas in this, it is like, you know, you're doing all the right things, all the things that you're meant to do, right? You're upholding the idea of, you know, family and family relations that are society values. But everybody knows that all those relationships are much more complicated, right? And the film is choose all of those kind, the kind of messiness, you know, and just kind of gives you the formula. And it's kind of, it's really dull. And it's kind of offensive. Offensive? In the in like what like the lack of thought. Or... Well, offensive in that you know, kind of an artist's role or one of the an artist's role is to kind of to make you feel, to make you understand, to open up your understanding, kind of to teach you something about the world and what the world is like. And this is just like corporate and phony from top to bottom. Has no intention of even trying yeah, to yeah. even trying to do it. So um, yeah, I really really didn't like it. I anyway, had a very bad time. And I wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. It really, it really sent me into a deep, deep maelstrom of woe. <laughs> <laughs> I know I can see your face drop. Yeah, I was, I was, I was and then yeah, everything just ends up on fire. Like, I might have to get so big at the end. Everything, the entire circus collapses and ends up on fire. And it's like, I guess you know that could be if it, if the film is, if the characters in the film is developed enough. Then that's like hugely melodramatic and could be wonderful, but it's not. It's just it's a mass. It's, it's chaos here. It's a, I mean, that to me, and you know, that's been true from the eighties onwards, and maybe even before. It's a massacre, a lack of imagination, right? Like if you can't think of a good idea that will keep the audience tense or make them emotional, you know, make them scared, just yeah. blow up something huge, right? <laughs> like yeah. yeah, and yeah, or burn something huge, or as if the bigger the explosion, or the more people that die, or you know, kind of the more intensely the audience will feel. And that's not the case at all. There's no relation between those things at all. Mm. It's just kind of a mask for a lack of, of, of artistry. Yeah. There's one other thing which is much more minor and throwaway that annoyed me, which is um, in the kind of expo place. Like, this is, this is supposed to be set in basically the mid-20s, we're yes. thinking, yeah? Post-war. And um, uh, they, in the, in the uh, corporate big New York Michael Keaton circus called Dreamland there's a, a sort of scientific expo bit and one of the things there is this diorama sort of exhibit thing of, of cinema of, of the future it's, it's, the, it's yes. of what the future could look like and it's got that kind of um, uh, it looks like an American diner in the 50s but it's oh, no, got that's right. it's okay. got the, the robot the cinema comes at the end yeah, yeah. and it's got like a, a flying robot that cooks you food for mm. you and stuff and that really annoyed me because every 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 kind of era has had its ideas of what the future would look like. Yes. But what that is showing there is what the people in the nineteen fifties thought the future would yes. look like. They had no idea 
yes. about these materials even in 1922. Well, actually, the that 50s, really annoyed me. It's so out of place. The 50s is a fetish era for Tim Burton. Of course, yeah. You know, um, so I think that was just transplanted it was into just the 20s. Um, and then, yeah, it has, that, it has that cinema thing at the end where that's the girls um, in, that, in that final um, uh, kind of promo that Danny DeVito does for his new circus. He has, um, he says, and, and Miss, whatever her name is, the girl, here's her, her tent of scientific wonders, and it's, it's her showing a film, and it's, and she's, so she's hand cranking this reel, and it's of Dumbo flying with um, Eva Green mm. riding him. And it's kind of interesting because it's like, it is kind of, um, it is imagery that kind of picks up on those very, very early silent movies where they were just filming things because isn't it amazing we can show movement, you know, like like filming a horse galloping and that sort of thing. Although this is 30 years after that. Yeah. So it's like they would have, you know, they were making silent movies by this point. Yes. But, um, but it's kind of, it's kind of fun sort of. Imagery just for that reason, I suppose. It was kind of, like, maybe that's another kind of fetish thing, but on this occasion, I just kind of liked it. But, yes. it is, but it is similarly out of time. It is similarly out of time, because it's something that you expect to be happening, I don't know, around, like, 1880, 1890. Mm. And, you know, because wasn't that also, what is it, a kinematoscope? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that, a film, was it? It wasn't it was a, a film, it was the... F- it, was it was a revolving mirror-type thing, yeah. Yeah. So that was projecting on the wall. So, um... So it does feel like, yeah, like some things yeah. are too early and some things are too late. Uh, I mean, also, I think the film it starts off in 1919. So, you know, even a lot of those, like, magnificent Art Deco interiors, like, you know, they mm. wouldn't have been in America in 1919. You know? yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway. I guess there's a certain amount that you kind of... Um you kind of accept like it's not a film that is completely rooted in its in its time. You kind of accept, I think, a certain amount of yeah, you accept, of design. Yeah, you accept uh, a certain. But, if, there are, but there are a couple of things that stand out. Yeah, if the characters had engaged you, none of this would matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, it's just um, yeah, it's a it's a bad movie. Unfortunately, it's a film that makes um, well, it makes. Mike really annoyed and depressed uh, <laughs> and it kind of it just it just left me a bit bored really that's all very bored yeah, <laughs> yeah alright one last thing it didn't make me angry it made me bored right like I knew I got the measure of the film immediately do you know what I mean mm. I wasn't going oh I wonder what will happen next I wonder how more more angry I'll be I just knew what it, I knew what it would be straight away you I had just, gauged the anger level from the beginning <laughs> I just thought well this ain't worth the time is it uh, I do wonder what it, it, it always kind of makes me think like what 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 will kids make of it like it's 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 for them you know this is a remake of a kids movie for kids again and will they be bored yes Probably. Um, Will they find wonder in it? I doubt it. Um, And I'm not even sure that it's a film made for kids. I I suspect it's a film made for the whole family, which is not the same thing. Mm. Um, So. Anyway. Anyway. If if you've got kids and, you know, if they were bored by it, then let us know. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On that note, uh, thank you very much for listening. Mm. We are eavesdropping at the movies. And we are on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, and, and YouTube. Um, on social media, we're on Twitter and Facebook. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. 
where you can see all the all the podcasts we've done and leave comments and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> all right. Goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs>